the Big 12 had a handful of quarterback storylines after Week 2, from the injury to Kansas State's Skylar Thompson to the controversy of Card versus Thompson in Texas. I got together with the Locked On Big 12 crew to discuss all the Big 12 quarterbacks and the Big 12 slate of games this weekend. Plus, the 2021-22 Cowboy and Cowgirl basketball schedule was released this week, so we just take a quick look at that. No deep dives just yet. All on today's episode of Locked On Pokes. You are Locked On Pokes, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Cowboy fans? Welcome to the Locked On Pokes podcast, your daily Oklahoma State podcast here on the Locked On College Network. I'm your host, Linda Godfrey, co-host of Fantasy Besties and avid Oklahoma State fan. You can follow me on Twitter at Lindellians. You can follow the show at Locked underscore on underscore Pokes on Twitter or the Locked On Pokes Facebook page. Make sure you follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get the latest shows every weekday here with Locked On Pokes. There's no better place to get all your Big 12 conference news than the Locked On Big 12 podcast hosted by Josh Neighbors. Follow the Locked On Big 12 podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I met with Josh Neighbors of the Locked On Big 12 podcast with Stephen Simcox of the of Locked On TCU and John Williams of Locked On Sooners to talk about all things quarterbacks this week. Give it a listen. So let's get to the the quarterback stuff. What a awful week for Big Twelve quarterbacks! Absolutely awful. I mean, for I on the whole, I mean, there are a couple there are a couple of great results, but um, poor Skylar Thompson, man, just yeah. awful. You hate to see that injury. Yeah. And also, I'm not sure if you guys have seen the six game stretch they have coming up. They're going to be underdogs probably six consecutive games uh, with Will Howard, who's not very good at quarterback. Then you have the complete debacle that was Texas at, uh, against uh, against Arkansas. Then you have Oklahoma State, Spencer Sanders, through one of the worst pick sixes you'll see the entire season. Right, We had that. Tyler Shuck tried to give the game away besides one bomb. He looked pretty bad against Stephen F. Austin. Uh, let's see. Where, who else am I missing here? Anybody want to? Uh, Jason Bean was fine. They played a really good team. I'm not going to kill Jason Bean for that. Um, surprisingly, Max Duggan was was one of the more effective guys through the air. He started and, off rough, had had himself a pick six yes. early on. Yeah, he had bounced back really good. But he's the guy that's got that mental makeup that can re- respond yeah. to something like that. So I would just say it's like, you know, when you guys think about all these quarterback, you know, issues in the Big 12 – where do your all's minds go to first? I know Linda, for you, obviously, is going to go to, to, to Spencer Sanders, so I'll start with you. But if it's outside of Spencer Sanders, where where does your mind go to on that? Oh, I'm always fascinated with uh, any kind of demise that comes from the Texas Longhorns. Yeah. So watching them try to navigate what's been the season so far is an absolute treat for me. And knowing that they're heading to the SEC, like it was already going to be a nice treat for me, but for them to be leaving, it's like a double whammy and I appreciate it. So that's like, I, I like a little quarterback controversy. That's fun to watch. Um, John, I'll ask you about Texas too. So Sark was pretty adamant that he was not going to play two guys and people came at me cause they said, Josh, you know, you're questioning Sark. Uh, he knows what he's doing. 
week one, it looked great. And then week two, actually, he had Hudson Card had the game week two. I thought he was going to have week one, oddly enough. And I thought it's a bad move to, to bench the kid after one bad week. They're playing Rice, too. So if you want to get your confidence back, this is a spot. What did you make of this situation that, that, and the way Sark's handling it? Yeah, I kind of said the same thing to 1400 Sports Talk and Norman that it was a surprise to me that they were not going to go back to Hudson Card for at least one more week to give him another shot to redeem himself. You know, it's like if you got a rookie pitcher in the rotation and he has a bad start, you're not going to bench the guy and pull him from the rotation and put him in the bullpen. You're going to give him another shot. You're going to throw him back out there. You know, Steve Sarkeesian, he's trying to build something at Texas, and so he's trying to kind of make some waves early on, I guess. But if he saw enough from the kid in fall camp, in spring camp, to name him the starter, then why are you second guessing yourself already? Like you're two weeks into the season and you're already second guessing a decision. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't breed confidence or like build confidence in a program. It doesn't exude confidence. And that's all he came with, right? With all gas, no brakes. Well, apparently now we got no gas. We got no brakes because he's (laughs) going back on a decision that he made already. And to me, I, I mean, if it works and Casey Thompson gets them back into, you know, a national title picture contending for the big 12, then he's going to look like a genius. But I mean, we've seen enough of Casey Thompson to know, like he's not necessarily it either. So I don't know, right. it, you know, Hudson cards, he's still a young guy. He's still got a chance to, to be a big time college quarterback. But to me, I think it's a step back for Texas in the program. Yeah. I like Sark. I, I really do think he's a good quarter, a, a good coach, but I think he's so particular about the quarterback spot and as he should be, that these two guys who he inherited, neither of them has just won that job. And he said as much in middle of August, right? He even said, it, I think it was after it was a scrimmage or something like that. He's like, yeah, we don't, we don't have a guy yet. And neither of these guys play well enough to do it. Steven, is Max Duggan the best quarterback in Texas right now? I mean, what is going on? Yeah, I hadn't really factored that in, but that that's an interesting take. Um, I mean, I guess if, if Sark is just admitting, like, I made a mistake and I named the wrong guy in, in Thompson as your dude moving forward, then, okay, that's fine. But it's really hard to tell that in week three. And as you said, against Rice, that seems like the perfect scenario to maybe play both guys and sort of um, get a better read on who's there. But the other fascinating QB situation to me is, uh, I know Iowa's a great defense, but Brock Purdy looked terrible. And you know, eventually got essentially benched or kind of like a, hey, let's, you know, let you sit on the bench and lick your wounds. Um, that team has a lot – had a lot of hype going into the season, and they did not look like a dark horse for a Big 12 title or a playoff berth on, on Saturday. And if they're sort of below Oklahoma's as well with everybody else, then suddenly you have a really, really muddled sort of middle of the conference, which was already pretty jumbled up. Um, before the season, at least that's what we thought. So that, that's another huge factor, I think, in, in in the league right now. And you know, it's a great point because Matt Campbell even said, you know, we wanted him to get over there on the sideline and, and think about some, you know, gather himself. But it wasn't just him that that game was. On. I mean, Iowa did not play a good offensive game. They didn't have to. I mean, I, Iowa State had a fumble inside the five. They had a Xavier Hutchinson, Hutchinson catch the catch that he should have made that he tipped back as an interception. And they had, you know, I mean, Brock Purdy, it was awful day. John, as as somebody who is, you know, covering a team that is the closest rival in terms of, like, quality of talent and performance to Iowa State, I mean, if you're a Sooners fan, you got to be thinking, I'd like to play this bunch. I like this, I, this version of Iowa State. I think we can deal with. 
Yeah, can we get them next week instead of in November? Yeah, right. Because, yeah, they're a mess right now. And Iowa's a good football team, like Steven mentioned. That pass rush is relentless. They're going to yeah. give a lot of teams in the Big Ten a lot of fits, except for maybe like Wisconsin, who might be the only team, or Ohio State, that might be the only teams that have offensive lines that can deal with it. But, I mean, they were rushing three and four and still getting to Purdy and just hitting him relentlessly. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, Iowa State, it, it doesn't look good. And, I mean, I, I still think they're a talented team, not going to overreact to them losing to a really good Iowa team. But yeah, Brock Purdy's got to figure some things out because he looked like a very um, raw quarterback in that game. He, he didn't look like a, a guy who's played a ton of football at, you know, a big time college football program. All right, Linda, I'll ricochet down to you for some Spencer Sanders talk. Look, I have, I have a condo on Spencer Sanders Island. Um, not selling it yet, but I'm, I, I might start to talk to my real estate agent Maybe field a couple offers because he has got to be better. He's got to. And I'll give him a little bit of a pass. The offensive line has got to be – I mean, they've got to do something correct. Like, Tulsa cannot be rushing three to four people. Talk about Iowa getting home. Tulsa was getting home against Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State, their defense is is pretty – that's, that's, that's legit defense. That is a legitimately good defense that could actually, if the offense was like average – maybe make them the third or fourth best team in the conference. I just would hate to see it if the offense kept them back because I think Spencer Sanders is so talented. When you have pick sixes like that last week where he just looks straight at the linebackers, like I'm throwing it to you. You were take it. You were getting the football. You're <laughs> like, it. what? You're like, what do you, you know, what do we do at this point? Cause it feels like how many times have we said Spencer Sanders has got to be better. It's been like so many occasions. Well, and Mike Gundy talked about all fall, like all camp leading up to the season. He's like, he's finally taken that step. He looks great. And then, of course, he was out the first week and Shane Illingworth comes in. And Shane Illingworth is well-liked in Stillwater. There were chants from him from the student section on Saturday. He had his helmet on on the side, like ready to go until um, I think it was Jaden Bray caught that touchdown pass. But both touchdown passes were because of the skill of the wide receiver, not because of the skill that Spencer Sanders showed off. And he's he has the some terrible decision make like and I can say this because I've made some pretty poor decisions. He has awful decision making skills. And he's not a dual threat if he can't also throw the ball. And then when he did scramble for 36 yards, he fumbled it at the end. We just got lucky because Tulsa kicked it out of bounds. Oh <sighs> I felt good. Well, the, the problem is, I mean, they can't establish the run. We saw some last year, too. I mean, if teams are, you know, teams were playing the run last year, that's why it got stopped. You don't have to play the run this year to get to stop the run against Oklahoma State. That, no, I think the, and, and I've mentioned this, and I think we've all talked about it probably individually and, you know, we'll talk about it collectively, but it, it bears its head all the time. Offensive line play is where this stuff is. Well, I know we talk about how offenses, you know, in passing game, whatever is changing. What happened to Florida State, right? Florida State has not had a good offensive line since Jimbo Fisher left. And what's happened? They've been horrible. They've been absolutely horrible ever since then. Bad offensive line play puts your offense in bad spots. It keeps your defense on the field and puts your defense in bad spots. And my issue with Oklahoma State is sure they're good right now. But when you play teams like Boise, who have shown some potentially explosive offense, when you play the Sooners of the world, when you play uh, the high caliber, apparently offense of TCU, the high flying uh, Horn Frogs offense, that's where you're going to get in trouble. I, I Dude, think everybody's scary because yeah. you're, because you're because you're 
you're, how many times can you ask your defense to hold up right before uh, about mid of the third quarter the past right. two weeks you can tell and then they're, they're like looking at their side like, like we don't care if you guys score just have a drive where you, just, you hold the ball for 10 plays yes. and give us a little bit of a breather and that's that's you know well and the play calling is also an issue i can't put it all on spencer it is stale right. predictable awful play calling bad time management so there's there's definitely issues all over the board I feel like if, if things head this way, he might transfer at the end of the year and then have an awesome year somewhere else. Which I wasn't surprised I be he didn't surprised. transfer. Uh, also, last Shane, year. Shane Ellingworth is not better than him. Uh, if they went that direction, I think the results would be somewhat the same. Uh, yeah, Shane Ellingworth's mobility is going to be an issue with that bad of an offensive line. All right. Coming up, the boys and I also looked at some of the more perplexing Big Twelve matchups for this weekend. But before that, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure intimidating questioning and wait while someone orders the parts behind the counter on their computer while you have access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket? Let them know Locked On sent you and save time and money while using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business that has been serving DIYers for over 20 years. I was in need of some new windshield wipers. It was super easy to find on the Rock Auto website. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Again, make sure you let them know Locked On sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com The guys and I talked some of the most interesting matchups for this weekend, most notably, of course, the face-off between our Oklahoma State Cowboys and the Boise State Broncos. Here's how that went. Um, all right, friends, we have a Big 12 slate of games to discuss coming up this weekend. And it's a bit of a, of a mixed bag. Um, the two games that I would say – I'm looking forward to the most are Virginia Tech and West Virginia because that's a massive – actually, I'm going to Morgantown for that game. Massive rivalry. Nice. Yes, very pumped. Uh, massive rivalry, those two renewing that. And then – well, also Nebraska-Oklahoma is renewing that. But I think in terms of, like, impact on the conference race, you got to look at Oklahoma State and, and, and Boise. And I know it's not a conference game. But this this is a confidence this is a confidence game. So I'll go to you first, Linda. I mean, this is a chance to make a bit of a statement. Not a great Boise State defense. I know they were better last week, but we saw them against a competent UCF offense. They were able to move the ball all up and down the field. What are your thoughts about this game as the uh, as the Cowboys take the show on the road against on on the Smurf turf this week? Well, first of all, that turf's got to be like an immediate knock against any visiting team. I can't imagine it's not jarring to play on. It's worth on. two and a half points in Vegas, I guess, right? Dude, I can't imagine. It makes me nauseous. And I don't ever, like, I never pay it any mind. And this week in particular, I've been like, you know, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. I'm like, I've got real worked up about that field this week. Well, well but, who is uh, it that has the red turf? There's somebody that's got the red turf. Eastern Sorry, Washington yeah. has it. Yes, thank you. Okay, yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, yeah, I think our defense is definitely way better than their defense. But I think our offenses are very similar. Um, they also lack a run game, so that's 
it, it's going to be, I think, either the most boring offensive game you've ever seen or they decide to air it out and it, it becomes a fun show. But I'm extremely nervous. If we don't figure out the offensive line, they're still mix and matching. And I hate that about an offensive line. Pick one, stick with it. They have to work together. You can't just... But um, play calling has to improve. Spencer Sanders has to improve. And the defense can't be on the field for the majority of the game. Those are like the three main things for me. And I'm very worried heading to Boise. So it sounds like you don't think it's it's who completes more passes. It's who whoever throws more incompletions is going to lose this game, essentially. Yeah. Who yeah. does not complete more passes will lose against essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um John, we've got the we've got the old Nebraska Oklahoma game. This one's been it's not going to be a good game, but the the interest has been brewing ever since it was scheduled. And then Scott Frost said last year when they, they weren't playing Big Ten football, we'll play anybody, anywhere, anytime. And then he called a bunch of people and tried to get out of this game. Yeah. Uh, and they still have to play this game. Yeah. And he does not sound thrilled. He's not sound ready. I know Oklahoma fans are ready because this game, game of the century 50 years ago, a lot of people really think, that this was kind of the game that turned things right in terms of history. Oklahoma started winning after that game. It showed that they could hang with teams like Nebraska. And I think Jake Trotter wrote an awesome piece about the history of it over at ESPN. But um, this game does mean a lot. I know I know Nebraska won out and they're bad now. This game still means a lot. Yeah, it does. It's a game that Oklahoma fans have been you know, have had circled on the schedule since it was scheduled. It got everybody fired up back in the spring when, yeah, they tried to back out of it, which is like, how do you back out of – like a scheduled non-conference game. I, <laughs> I don't understand that. Like even when I played club lacrosse back in, you know, at UTA in the early 2000s, we didn't back out of non-conference games. Even if we were playing against better competition, you just play the game that's on your schedule. And so Oklahoma fans are fired up for this one because it, it's a game that has so much significance in college football history. It just does. And, you know, it doesn't, it may not hold up as well as like Oklahoma, Texas, but I mean, they've been playing this game or they played this game from 1919 up until Nebraska left for the big 10 in 2010. And so they didn't play every year. Obviously there was some time where the, you know, the gaps in the schedule, but they've played so many times, like 86 times have they played. And it's been a back and forth battle. Oklahoma's like plus 10 in the win column in this game. And so it's, it's huge. It, it meant a lot to the big eight. It meant a lot to the Big 12, especially, you know, during the Tom Osborne eras, you know, the last half of 2000 to 2010, they were going back and forth for the Big 12 title. Even in years where Oklahoma wasn't at its best, they had to go through Nebraska at times to get to the Big 12 title. So it's going to be a lot of fun just having that white and red across the field uh, at Owen Field. And who knows how this game is going to turn out. I think it's going to be Oklahoma by a bunch, but you just never know. I, I think, you know, Adrian Martinez poses a problem that, Michael Pratt kind of exposed and that they can get pressure on the quarterback, but if they can't contain him, he can pick up some yards in the scramble game. So it'll be interesting to watch, but yeah, I'm pumped for this game. It's going to be an exciting one to watch. All right, Steven, your squad is off the, the designated third best team, in the big 12. Uh, as you revel in the, the shootout that was the, the, I mean, who saw that coming? The Cal TCU shootout where Chase Garbers and Max Duggan were going you know, blow for blow, I guess you could say. Also, Quentin Johnston's really good. Like, yeah. he is really freaking good. That one touchdown, I think, I'm not sure what kind of route he ran, but the one where he kind of shook the defender after he caught it with the kind of the back turn, almost like a basketball move, was able to cut it upfield. I mean, just showed that quality of being a number one guy. And uh, talk a little bit about the win and then 
as you sit in the couch this weekend, where your eyes will be, will be turning towards. You have the opposite of the cheese at bowl uh, a couple of years ago. Some, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Some competent offenses out there. Um, I, I think the biggest encouraging thing, you know, by the time kickoff came around, TC was like 11 and a half point favorites in Vegas, which I thought was a little high. But after that, uh, Cal lost to Nevada. They were expected to go out there and, and, and get a big win. They fell behind early. Um, that's not a game they win the last couple of seasons. Like they just don't have the offensive firepower to come back. Uh, so I, I feel like that's a big deal. And then also, you know, you mentioned Quentin Johnston. Um, Zach Evans and Quentin Johnston were the two best players on the field on Saturday. And I would say, like, against a, a pretty good Power 5 opponent, TCU hasn't had that situation since maybe Trayvon Boykin and, and Josh Doxson. Uh, you know, like, Jalen Rager um, was was that guy at times, but they really struggled to get him the football. Uh, but Evans had 190 yards, and – it was what I would describe as like a cool 190. And what I mean by that is right, yeah. He he had a really good game, but then you look up and you're like, wait, he had 190 yards and, and a couple touchdowns? Like that's insane. I didn't know he he was that dominant. Um, so you know, that kind of, of talent and ability to just get the ball to those guys and go score, that's been missing along with some of the quarterback issues that they've had the last few years. So so that's a big deal. Um, as far as what I'm watching this week, I think, you know. Obviously, Oklahoma State and Boise State. I want to see what the Pokes do with a bigger test. Can they find a way to get a win on the road? I think that would be a huge deal for them. And then, sort of weird, but um, I do I do want to see how Baylor Kansas plays out uh, on on Saturday because we have seen some some things from Jason Bean that's like, okay, this dude can run a little bit, like he can make some plays. They hung with Coastal better than I thought they would. Um, it was a one-score game in the third quarter. Yeah. And, I mean, I know, like, low expectations can lead to you coming away from a game like that and saying, oh, hey, Kansas looked better. But it, it does seem like at least that coaching staff has them believing a little bit um, early in the season. And Baylor has rolled over two really inferior opponents. So, um, against a you know somewhat more talented Kansas team, does Gary Bohannon look like uh, a guy that can get the ball out and make plays. Um, and and is KU ready to maybe make some noise? I, I wouldn't have predicted that before the season, but, um, you know, they've looked better than I expected over the past couple of weeks. So I want to see them against the Big 12 opponent. Baylor's got a great chance to be 3-0 as they head into that Iowa State game. And the first half of that Iowa State game last year was a, was a absolute nightmare for Brock Purdy. So I, I think that's something to watch. All right, I'm going to give you my game of the week, but first, all right, folks, is the game I'm going to, West Virginia and Virginia Tech, Black Diamond Trophy. Um, just a little inside baseball here. So I'm a Virginia Tech fan growing up. Uh, got a couple of friends who went to Virginia Tech. I obviously went to Mizzou, but still I root pretty hard for them. So my friends have Tech license plates, and they're saying, uh, you, you have to drive because they're like, our cars will get damaged if we drive, our, if we drive them into Morgantown. Now, I don't know if that is true now, but this is the anxieties of their father who went to Virginia Tech and knows this rivalry more, more intimately, you could say. This is a huge deal that these two teams are playing, and I'm really sad that it's happening at noon. So that, that's the big part. But also a huge opportunity for Neil Brown's group uh, to, to get a, a big win. And look, they, they have a tough non-conference schedule. Playing Maryland on the road and also playing Virginia Tech is, is pretty difficult to have those two games in non-conference. Um, 
but I, I think it's a huge opportunity. And also I think Jared Dagey needs to win this game or else they, if he looks bad, they might need to consider making a change of quarterback because he struggled against a Maryland defense. That's not known for being too potent. And um, this tech defense is pretty good, but he needs to show some progression because remember last time that we saw him outside the Maryland game, he got benched against army. So I think it's, it's a, it's a big opportunity there. Uh, all right. Coming up, the Big 12 basketball schedule was released, inching us even closer to basketball season. But first, I'm going to tell you about one of the sponsors of today's show, Sweatblock. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than the most clinical antiperspirants. You simply apply it at night, before bedtime, go to bed. The next morning, you wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying about sweat. There is a dry shirt guarantee. Living in Oklahoma, between the heat and the humidity in summer, sweat can become a problem. Sweat is doctor-created and doctor-recommended, plus it works up for up to seven days with one use. Wear what you want to wear with confidence. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with promo code Locked On or at Amazon and CVS. This is a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag, whether you're presenting something at work or going on your first date. Use Locked On on sweatblock.com for 20% discount. Again, that's Locked On on sweatblock.com for a 20% discount. BetOnline.ag is the easiest and fastest way to bet on all your favorite sports. It's that time of year again when all eyes turn to football as players return to the gridiron. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest, Open now at betonline.ag. Be sure to take advantage of promo code Locked On to receive a 100% welcome bonus. If you've been jonesing to make your first NFL bet like I have, the season is finally started. If football isn't your taste, you can bet on anything from basketball to baseball and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Be sure to use promo code Locked On. Again, that's promo code Locked On for your welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. The Big 12 basketball schedule has been released. Like I said, we're just getting even closer to another exciting season with Mike Boynton and company. They'll have a hard task this season as they face 11 teams that made it to the NCAA tournament last season between non-conference and Big 12 games. Of the 11 teams, nine won a game at the tournament and four went on to the Sweet 16. So to say we'll have our work cut out for us is not an exaggeration, especially after losing Cade Cunningham. But if I want that job in anybody's hands, it's Mike Boynton. So I'm not terribly concerned about it just yet. Conference play opens up on New Year's Day in Lubbock versus Texas Tech. The home opener sees the Kansas Jayhawks come to Gallagher-Iba Arena on January 4th. The Cowboys have won five of the last eight games against the Jayhawks in Gallagher-Iba. It would be one heck of a way to kick off the conference season. I'll be very excited for that. I can't wait to be inside GIA and, and yelling with everybody. I want to go. I'm I'm not going to go through every game, but just the idea that the schedules are out has me super excited. That college hoops are coming. 
While my first love will always lie with football, there's truly nothing like the energy inside GIA during prime basketball season. And it's so refreshing the way Mike Boynton has rejuvenated that energy for our Cowboys. I'm going to go over the Cowgirls opening couple of games tomorrow on tomorrow's episode so don't think I forgot about them I of course haven't so we'll look at how they kind of kick off the season on tomorrow's episode make sure you check back in on Monday remember you can find me at Lindellians on Twitter or follow the show page at locked underscore on underscore pokes on Twitter or the locked on pokes Facebook page Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts. I will talk to you all next week. Go Pokes!